Welcome aboard, historians, to the NCC 73117, USS Little Hero. I'm Captain William. And I'm Commander Vicky. And if you'll step right this way, historians, we'll go to Holodeck 2, where we will continue our adventures of Captain Kirk and his beloved crew. Commander Vicky, will you take us to the coordinates where we belong? Onward and upward, Captain. Make it so. Welcome back to Vicky's Adventures into Star Trek. I'm William. And I'm Vicky. And today we are doing Season 1, Episode 13, The Ambergris Element, and Season 1, Episode 14, The Slaver Weapon. So, Vicky, would you like to tell them what where they can find us? You can find us at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, CastBot, Pocket Cast. Radio Public, Stitcher, and Spotify Podcast. You can contact us at Vicky's Adventures in a Star Trek at gmail.com or Facebook. Vicky's Adventures in a Star Trek. Correct. So, Vicky, Season 1, Episode 13, The Ambergris Element. What did you think was going to happen in this one? Um... The crew finds a new weapon for the ship. Save that for the next one, but it's not for the ship. Uh, okay. And you are wrong in this one. As no! Well. Yes. I'm never wrong. What are you talking about? The crew of the Enterprise explore a submerged culture on a water world. Are you ready for this one? Onward and upward, Captain. Captain's log, stardate 5499.9. We are orbiting the planet Argo. Argo was once a land planet but its surface is now almost completely covered by water. The change was caused by violent seismic disturbances. So the planet Argo was an inhabited planet of the home world of the humanized species, also known as the Equations. Other life forms, including algae, fish, and sea snakes, plant life, it uh, included sea foliage and plants remained reminiscent of, reminiscent of trees on land. All right. 
mission is to study the effects which the quakes and other phenomena had on its surface. This knowledge may save millions of lives on a Federation planet identical to Argo, which will soon be undergoing similar transformation. This is the largest landmass on the planet, isn't it, Spock? Yes, Captain. The others are mere outcroppings. They suggest the peaks of... So they are in an aqua shuttle. The aqua shuttle was a type of Federation shuttlecraft stowed aboard the shuttle bay of Constitution-class vessels during the 2260s. Okay. Submerged mountains. Oh, I suggest that we get these seawater and algae specimens. They're the least of the lot. For once, I agree with you, Doctor. The more informative specimens will come from the sea bottom. Lieutenant Clayton, open the hatch and let our two scientists here get on with their business. Uh, What's that? <laughs> Do you want me to tell you? Because they never really say. Until towards the end. Yes. Why do you want me to tell us? That is a sur snake. The sur snake was a poisonous aquatic creature native to the planet Argo. The source of the sur snake poison was from a venom spot from its teeth. It was noted for having dual respiratory systems, both lungs and gills and a skeletal structure similar to that of the Denebian whale. Which I can pull that up too. Uh, it had four long tendrils like appendages which were both prenasal in nature and strong enough to pick up a Starfleet aquatic shuttle and throw it. So a Denebian whale is an aquatic animal native to the Denebian solar system. Okay. That's all it really tells me. So. Phasers on stun, Mr. Spock. Firing, Captain. Stunned it. What the devil was that thing? Apparently a life form which previous surveys have not recorded. Let's get a closer look at it before the phaser stun wears off. Submerge, Lieutenant. Aye, sir. Dual respiratory system, lungs and gills. Its skeleton is similar to that of a Denibian whale, Captain. Regaining consciousness. Surface, Mr. Clayton. Aye, sir. Spock, prepare to fire phasers. Phasers do not respond, Captain. We must have sustained damage to the power pack when the creature struck us. Kirk to Enterprise, emergency. Enterprise. What is it, sir? We're under attack. Beam us aboard, Scotty. We've lost contact, Captain. Repeat, we've lost contact. Come in, Captain, come in. Captain, 
ship's log. Stardate 5504.2. Lieutenant Commander Scott in command. Captain Kirk and First Officer Spock have been missing for almost five days. Search parties can find no trace of them or the Aqua Shuttle. Dr. McCoy and I are continuing the search at a greater distance from the attack point. There's nothing. There's just nothing. I see some rocks. They're just above sea level, about two miles away. There's something on them. examination show an unidentified substance in the bloodstream has affected their entire metabolism and changed them into water breathers. Their internal structure is completely transformed and even their eyes are covered with a transparent film like the second eyelid of a fish. So far all efforts to return them to normal have failed. We're stumped Jim. The hormone seems to be the major factor in your mutation but we just can't identify it. Are you sure the mutation wasn't somehow accomplished naturally? It was infused into your bodies at key structural points. It had to be done by injection. So Spock and Kirk right now are in a uh, aquarium, aquarium basically. Right. Right now. But can't you duplicate it, Bones? Your medical computers have information on every procedure in the Federation's hospitals. Uh, it's highly sophisticated and completely unknown to us. That implies there are intelligent life forms on Argo. The sensors don't indicate any life forms down there, aside from fish. They did fail to indicate the large marine creature that attacked us. Perhaps the readings are incomplete, blocked by underwater pressure forces. Oceans are less turbulent at greater depth. Such conditions would be more suitable to intelligent forms. Well, we can't do much underwater exploration without the Aqua Shuttle. Our equipment is too limited. We aren't limited. We can go wherever we want in that ocean. It's too risky, Jim. Argo's almost totally unexplored. You'd be out of contact range, unarmed. I have to, Bones. Look at this place. A tank. I can't command a ship from inside an aquarium. I can't live in here. I know what you're saying, Jim, but if you go down on that planet and you die there... Right now we have only two choices. Live in an aquarium somewhere for the rest of our lives or stay on Argo. I won't accept either one of them. What about you, Spock? What does your logic tell you? The captain states the case emotionally, of course, but correctly. I would be of little value to this ship if I'm confined to a tank in sickbay. I must accompany the captain. An intelligence that can produce this kind of mutation can change us back. We've got to find bones. It must be there. 
We'll make contact as soon as possible, Mr. Scott. Aye, sir. The equations were a were the water-breathing natives of the planet Argo, living deep in Argo's oceans. They were highly developed race, capable of fantastic agricultural and medical triumphs, unheard of in the galaxy. They were also capable of iridescent. Uh, Eradicating memories. Okay. We won't harm you. We're friends. Leave us. It is enough or young saved your lives once. If you go on, nothing will save you again. And that is Rila. Uh, she is a equation female. Wait. Listen. Go away. I don't understand. They said they'd saved us once. I believe the phrase was, our young saved your lives once. Yes, and they didn't seem to approve. The answer appears to be in that direction, Spock. I would say so, Captain. The instinctive reaction of all frightened creatures is to retreat to a place of safety. unheard of in our galaxy why should they be afraid of a spark it is quite possible captain that they find us grotesque and ugly and many people fear beings different from themselves well speculation isn't much help we have to get in there perhaps there's a way open on the far side there is much less activity there Tribunal of the Aquans. I am Domar, the High Tribune. I'm Captain Kirk of the Starship Enterprise. This is my first officer, Mr. Spock. You are air breather enemies from the surface. We have expected spies for a long time. We came here in peace, Tribune. The ancient records warn that air breathers never come in peace. They came without weapons. Can we do nothing without consulting the ancient records? Why do the junior tribunes wish always to change the records? Let the mesh be removed, but stand ready. The Sergo op was excellent. They have mutated perfectly. 
Your scientists induced these mutations? We do not wish to kill even air breathers. Your memory was eradicated so you could not return here. It would seem their ancient records are as well preserved as ours. They found us again to come among us as spies. You do not give them a chance to defend themselves, Kadmar. Rila is correct. You may speak. We are visitors to your planet. We come from another world. You do not live on the surface places? Not on this world. Enough! Clearly this is a lie. The air breathers have come again to destroy us. You are mistaken, sir. Our only purpose here is to find the means of reversing our mutations. That is impossible. Only Aquan mutation is designated by the Sergo records. Enterprise to Mr. Scott. Scott here. What is it, Doctor? Census just gave us an update reading, Scotty. There's a seaquake due in that area. A bad one. Complete topography changes. How soon? Within four hours. When are Jim and Spock due to make contact? About the same time. But can you contact them sooner? We can try like blue blazes. Scott out. Their directional marker indicates they descended toward that fern bed. Air breathers! We must inform the tribunes. The name of our starship is on the Aqua Shuttle. If you want proof, examine the wreckage. Yes. Let us examine the wreckage before we make judgment. Behalf Nuth, High Tribune. Speak it. Three air breathers have invaded the sea voyage. We saw them as we gathered edibles. Do you still believe these creatures came in peace? We do not know what to believe. Take these spies to the surface boulders and leave them there. It is justice enough for our enemies. Conserve your strength. I will free you. Go to the big island. Bring assistance party. Did you see anything? Not a sign of them. Wait a minute. Who are Palomy? Your friends need help. There. Quick, lads. Stand by on the scouter gig, Lieutenant. Rila, this is my engineering officer, Mr. Scott. Tribune Rila is an Aquan. Their city is a short distance away. We're obliged for your help. Captain, we've been trying to contact you for two hours. There's a sea bottom quake due. It'll destroy this whole area. There are legends of such a happening. It destroyed the ancient knowledge and caused the great surface places to sink into the sea. That suggests your race evolved from its ancient enemies. We did not evolve, Mr. Spock. When the surface places began to sink, many air breathers were mutated through Circo Op, just as you were. As the centuries passed, the mutations became hereditary. Strange that such a highly developed race would be violent. Apparently, they were exposed to frightening geological disaster. Such hardship induces savagery and violence. 
They hunted and killed us. We feared they would contaminate us with their violence. That is also why it is forbidden to mutate back to surface forms. Then reverse mutation is possible. There are legends of sealed places in the sunken ruins where many knowledge records of it are kept. There's not much time, Captain. The quake's due in less than two hours. How far are the ruins, Rila? Only a short distance. Those old records may hold the key to reversing our mutations. We've got to find them before it's too late. Oh, I, I cannot take you to the ruins. It is against ordainments. It's important, Rila, not just for us. The population of another planet is threatened by surface changes, too. Argo's ancient knowledge can help save them. Yes, I will take you as far as the reef barrier. Now take care. The tides are strong. Fascinating. Obviously, an entire portion of the continental shelf sank within a few minutes. This may be the sealed place Rila mentioned. I believe this is an entrance panel, Captain. There's another chamber. This resembles ancient medical symbols, Captain. The torso indicates mutation. That's it, Spock. The key to the survival of the race. substance in your bloodstream is similar to the ambergris of earth whales. Reverse mutation is induced by infusion of an antitoxin, concentrated doses of it. What's the composition of the antitoxin bones? It's made from the venom of the Argosur snake. To capture a sur snake, we need your help. Our people can't descend to that depth. Domar has warned that if we break more ordainments, we will be exiled to the open seas. We cannot reverse our mutations without the serum. Nor can the Aquans benefit from the knowledge of their ancestors. But the ordainments state clearly that capturing Sir Snakes is forbidden. Ordainments are useless in times of turbulence. Only knowledge will help us. Nephro, we must break the ordainments. Got a big net. Wow. Quickly, Captain. <laughs> 
from the venom of a sir snake, but a part of the old wreckage is missing, so the exact dosage is unknown. Experiments on fish show that if the antitoxin is too strong, it causes overmutation, which cannot be reversed by any means. We're running out of venom, so conclusive experiments are impossible. I decrease the strength by three quarters, Jim, but we, we can't be sure it's right. How many infusions, Bones? Two small, one large. Well, let's get started. Turned red, then pale white. Pulse is fading. Then back to normal. Pulse and heart normal. Something's happening to his metabolism. It's at least ten times normal speed. Metabolism normal. Heartbeat normal. The lungs are beginning to revert. This is the last dose, the largest infusion. Then he gets scales. The antitoxin was too strong. And now they're gone. He's starting to breathe. Quick, get him out of the tank. How do you feel, Jim? A little dizzy. Otherwise normal. Well, better get into some dry clothes. I I wouldn't want you to catch cold. Your turn, Spock. We'll bombard the unpopulated pressure areas with phaser beams and change the epicenter of the quake so it won't endanger your people or your city. I did not believe such knowledge was possible. Major tremors will start in three minutes, Captain. It is. Incredible. All of it. Confirm coordinates, Mr. Spock. Confirmed, sir. Fire phasers as directed, gentlemen. Aye, aye, sir. Sensors indicate the epicenter of the quake was in the North Polar Seas, Captain. A totally uninhabited area. Then our people are safe. When can we beam down, Spock? The seabed should stabilize within a few hours. Argo appears to have a new city, Captain. Or rather, one reborn. Our people survived the sea quakes with little damage, thanks to your help. We owe you and your friends much gratitude, Captain Kirk. We will try to repay by making the ancient records available for your studies. Our experience here has shown us the means of diverting quakes. That will mean much to the endangered Federation planet. The light is warm and the air is soft. I shall be glad when the surface places can be inhabited. The young Aquans have decided to rebuild the great shelters of the air breathers. Only the young Aquans? Senior Aquans cannot adjust to the thought of becoming air breathers. We will remain at the Aqua City. Don't lose contact with each other, like your ancestors. We will pass ordainments to forbid it. And we this time will not ignore them.
Okay, Vicky, so that was season one, episode 13, The Ambergris, or Ambergris, however you want to pronounce it, um, Element. What did you think of that one? I liked it. Okay. So, on a scale of one to ten, where do you put this bad boy? I gave it an eight. I have to agree with that, because there could have been some other things done better. Right. So, who do you think this episode hinged on? Well... Kirk, Spock, Bones, the amp, the, how do you say those? Uh, equations. Well, Domar. Equations. Equations, yeah. Um, yeah. Scotty. Okay. I'll let you have that one. (laughs) So, in this episode, did you notice anything? No. I did not. Okay, good. Because I didn't notice anything either. So, before we start the next one, I have to come clean about something. To everybody. So, I remember reading this book a while ago, and I was going to say something about why Chekhov is not in the animated series. So, there's a book called Star Trek, the original series, The Face of the Unknown, by Christopher L. Bennett. And it explains that uh, Chekhov got a promotion, and that's why he's not on the Enterprise anymore. Okay. So, and it's a really good book. I never finished it because my ex destroyed it. I did get a new copy. I just haven't read it yet. Um, But it, it, this one here, this book, it even says in the prologues that it states, let me open it back up here. It says, historical note, the events in this story take place in the mid-2269, sometime after the rescue mission on Campus 2, Turnabout and Truth. Okay. So, there's that. I was going to say something on the first episode of the animated series and forgot, apparently. I went back and checked and I didn't say anything. And that's my fault. So, Vicky, Season 1, Episode 14, The Slaver Weapon. What did you think was going to happen in this episode? You're not prepared again. No. Um, the women of the Enterprise find a perfume that makes them evil. Evil. Very wrong. A group of Kazinti divert a shuttle, Coper- the shuttle Copernicus, and retrieve a newly discovered slaver weapon. I don't know how you got the female uh, perfume and stuff out of the slaver weapon. But you got it, apparently. And it's not right. Right? So are we ready for this one? Okay. So are you ready for this one, Gridley? Yes! onward and upward. So I figured out if I hit it twice to fast forward 30 or 60 seconds, that's all I need in order to 
uh, get past the opening tent, basically. Right. First officer's log, star date 4187.3. The Enterprise shuttlecraft Copernicus is en route to Starbase 25 with an important cargo. A slaver stasis box discovered by archaeologists on the planet Kazin. These... So the Copernicus, NCC 1701-12, the penetration shuttlecraft that was in service in Starfleet in the 23rd century, Attached to the USS Enterprise, Copernicus was the second shuttle to be labeled with the registry NCC 1701 12. Gotcha. Faces boxes are the most remarkable thing the slavers ever produced. Did they say Kazin already? Yes. So Kazin was an inhabited planet in the Alpha Quadrant that was the home world of the Kazinti. The leader of the Kazinti government was the high, highest of Kazin. Okay. Time stands still inside a stasis box. A billion years means nothing in there. What is it, Lieutenant? I studied the history of the slaver empire, but it's sketchy. We know they were masters of all the intelligent beings in this galaxy a billion years ago, until one race revolted. Are the stasis boxes the only source of information we have? The slavers and all their subjects were exterminated in the war that followed. Intelligent life had to evolve all over again. The stasis boxes are the only remnant of those lost civilizations. Why is it glowing like that? Mr. Sulu, what is our position? Passing Beta Lyra, sir. 142 degrees northeast of Galactic Plain. Most peculiar. This indicates there is another stasis box circling Beta Lyrae. Another one? It would be most illogical that a stasis box would remain here undiscovered for so long. Beta Lyrae is one of the rare spectacles of the galaxy. Almost every ship that passes stops to see it. Maybe no one else was carrying a stasis box detector. Possible. The only known stasis box detector is another stasis box. Still. Mr. Sulu. Yes, sir? Bring us about. We'll investigate the Beta Lyrae system. Aye, aye, sir. Stasis boxes and their contents are the only remnant of a species which ruled most of this galaxy a billion years ago. Their effect on science has been incalculable. In one was found a flying belt, which was the... So the Beta Lyrae is, was, a pri that was the primary of the Beta Lyrae system in the Alpha Quadrant. It was located 142 degrees north of the Galactic Plane. Beta Lyrae was known for one of the rare, beautiful spectacles of the Milky Way galaxy. And almost every starship that passed by stopped at, to see it. Very, Beta Lyrae was located between Kazinti and Starbase 25. Gotcha. Key to the artificial gravity field used by starships. 
Another box contained a disruptor bomb with the pin pulled. As a result, all stasis boxes are now under the jurisdiction of Starfleet, and only certain key specialists handle them. The boxes are rare, potentially dangerous, and we seem to have found a second one. I never did like these little ice-bound worlds. We are not tourists here, Lieutenant. Mr. Spock, if it takes a stasis box to find another stasis box, how did anyone ever find the first one? As with a number of discoveries, purely by accident, Lieutenant. The other box seems to be almost under us, perhaps 30 meters below the ice. We won't have any trouble digging for it. In this low pressure, the ice should boil as soon as the phase is melted. Those were the Kasinti. Uh, they are a cat-like humanoid creature. Okay. Uh, the Kasinti were a species of aggressive cat-like humanoid. It's native to the Alpha Quadrant planet Kasint. I must take full responsibility for this event. Instead of being warned by the highly unlikely coincidence of a second stasis box, I allowed its possible value to influence my judgment. The Kazindi now possess our stasis box. Its contents will determine... Well, you are half-human stock. Right. ...determine how much damage my error has done the Federation and its people. Where are we? A Kazindi spacecraft. That isn't good. Kazindi aren't supposed to have phasers, are they? The Treaty of Sirius does not permit them any weapons at all beyond police vessels. Obviously, the treaty has been broken. A police web. We won't be able to move unless we can turn it off somehow. The lean bedraggled one is a reader of minds. I've heard all Gazenti telepaths are unhappy neurotics. He fits the description. There is no sure way to guard our thoughts from him. Mr. Sulu, he's not likely to deal with me or Lieutenant Uhura. She and I are inferior beings to them. But the Kazindi are meat eaters. If you sense him reading your mind, think of eating a raw vegetable. Yes, sir. Maybe I can goad them into revealing their purpose. Lieutenant Uhura, this may be crucial. In the presence of the Kazindi, do not say anything. Do not do anything startling. Try to look harmless. Any special reason? Are you forgetting Kazinti females are dumb animals? In an emergency, the Kazinti may forget a human female is an intelligent creature. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Lieutenant, I value your intelligence, but we may be able to seize an opportunity to escape if the Kazinti believe you have none. Yes, sir. Identify yourself. Lieutenant Sulu of the Starfleet Vessel Enterprise. This is First Officer Spock. You're a Vulcan. I feel no pressing need to talk to an eater of roots and leaves. Humans, at least, are omnivorous. I am Chuffed Captain. 
You are prisoners aboard the privateer Traitor's Claw. So, Chuff Captain was a Cassindi captain of the privateer ship Traitor's Claw, who led an ambush on the Federation shuttlecraft Copernicus on star date 4187.3 in 2269. Okay. The Trader's Claw was a 23rd century Kazinti police vessel. It was officially recorded as stolen in 2269, but was in fact a, pri in a privateer in service of the Kazinti government in violation of the Treaty of Cyrenus. Treaty of Cyrenus was a treaty signed by the Kazinti government. It required the complete dismantlement of the Kazinti with only police vehicle uh, vessels allowed in 2269. Spock, Sulu, and Uhura discovered that the Kazinti had broken the treaty some time ago as they possessed a phaser weapon. Okay. Stolen police vessel. Stealing must be a habit with you. This ship, two stasis boxes. Kazinti archaeologists found both boxes, but the one we managed to keep was empty. It served as well as bait to draw you here. But the slavers had weapons that could devastate a galaxy. There could be one in that box. The Kazenti fought four wars with humankind and lost all of them. The last one was 200 years ago, and you haven't learned a thing since. Guard your speech. None of my crew has yet tasted human meat as our ancestors did. We would welcome the opportunity. Always you have had superior equipment. We seek a weapon that will defeat you at last. Then you're really working for the Kazenti government. The records will show the Traitor's Claw is a stolen police ship. If we are captured, the highest of Kazin will repudiate us. But if we succeed, you are meat for our tables. Can that be a picture of a slaver? If so, it is the first ever discovered. An important historical find. It looks like fresh meat. Over a billion years in that box and it looks fresh. Ah! Nothing like this has ever been found. We are the only ones who have it. Look at it, human. This weapon may well mean the end of mankind. First officer's log, supplemental. The Kazinti now possess a weapon potentially deadly to the entire galaxy. The extent of its power remains to be seen. Have the humans move to the surface and be sure they're secured in the police web. We will use them to test the weapon. Yes, Chuff Captain. You have observed the aliens. Can you read their minds? I can read Sulu with difficulty, Chuff Captain. The other human is only a female. The third is a pacifistic herbivore. Surely you would not force me to delve such minds. If it is necessary, I realize the time you need to recover from each effort.
Chuff Captain. We have finished testing the meat that was in the stasis box. It is protoplasmic and poisonous. What of the picture? The human, Sulu, believes it to be a slaver. So do I. It would have made a worthy enemy. Perhaps the Toro. Telepath, am I not affecting him at all? Is it the life support belt interfering? No, Jeff Captain. He hears a faint whine, but he feels no ill effects. There is a vibration in the metal of his belt. Jeff Captain? He is too alien. He makes me taste yellow root munched between flat teeth. Be glad if you need not read the Vulcan's mind. Mm. It may be a communications device or a sonic stunner designed to affect members of a race now dead. Good serviceable telescope. They built well, these slavers. It is of no use to us. We already have small telescopes. I give you credit, human. You are not afraid to die. Merely a laser. The Federation has had a more effective model for over 100 years. Never mind that. The female is escaping. What of it? Fool. Human females are intelligent. Uh-oh. Hey, Thunder. Telepath suit lost considerable pressure. We reached the ship in time to save him. Good. We will need him later. What is this? Perhaps a personal rocket motor. One could place one's foot on the pedals and balance. It appears to be transportation, not a weapon. Nice try. I'm slowing down. I used to run the hundred in record time. How long was I out? Did I miss much? Not much. <laughs> a lot of good they'll get out of that rocket setting. We are fortunate none of the settings so far have been superior to the technology now available to the Federation. Uh-oh. No gun sight. No obvious way to aim it. Mr. Spock, I can move. So can I. The police web is off. The fifth setting seems to be an energy absorber. Fascinating. I had no idea the slavers had such things. Mr. Spock, we... Yes. When I give the word, make for the shuttle. Remember to zigzag. Ready? Go.
discuss it. Help me into the ship. Mr. Spock, I thought it was one of the aliens. I have the weapon. They've got Uhura and subspace radio. They can call for help from the Kazin planet if they think the weapon's worth it. No, they cannot. Or rather, will not. Why? Because I kicked Shaft Captain. Consider, Shaft Captain has been attacked by an herbivorous pacifist, an eater of leaves and roots, one who traditionally does not fight. And the ultimate insult, I left him alive. Shaft Captain's honor is at stake. He must seek personal revenge before he can call for help. That gives us some time. You did plan it that way. Of course. As long as you stay free, the Kazenti can't or won't do anything. But they could use Lieutenant Uhura as a bribe. Agreed. However, to this point, we have not seen anything more powerful than equipment Starfleet already has. Yes. But I have a feeling, Mr. Spock, this weapon must have belonged to a spy, an espionage agent. I acknowledge your expertise in the field of weapons, Mr. Sulu. But I do not see how you can determine probable ownership. Well, here, look at it. All these settings. We don't know a common slaver soldier couldn't handle them. But as a weapon, only the laser is effective. The others aren't necessary for the line soldier's one purpose, to destroy the enemy. Assuming it's a spy weapon, then, the slavers would have wanted to keep it a secret weapon. If so, it is logical to assume it has a self-destruct setting, too. But we've seen all the phases. Perhaps not. There is the null setting. It seems to do nothing. But why should it be there? It does not correspond to a safety lock. It may be the key to another setting. This is the Trader's Claw calling Mr. Sulu. We have the female prisoner. Will you bargain, or must we take harsh action? It will not be pleasant for her. Uh oh. I repeat, we have the female prisoner as hostage. You have something we want. We will trade her life for the slaver weapon. Answer him, Lieutenant. Lieutenant Sulu here. What about Mr. Spock? He must surrender. I will offer him single combat. Not interested. I am as the Falcon left me, with two ribs broken. I have not set them nor bandaged myself. He may conceivably kill me. Kazindi ribs have some vertical bracing, but I kicked him over one heart. I compute the odds of my defeating Shuff Captain in combat at 16 to 1 against. Offer refused. They think very little of you. Wrong. They don't think much of you. A self-destruct mechanism would not have a gun sight. No. Let's see what this does do. Oh boy! We can't give him that. Fascinating. No world in the Federation has produced anything so powerful. Almost beyond theoretical limits. Total conversion of matter to energy at a distance. 
If the Kazenji had that, the whole galaxy would be their dinner table. Hit the dirt! mechanism. No. It appears to be conversing with them. The reasoning computer. That small. How long has it been since you were turned off? I do not know. When I am off, I have no sense of passing time. What is the last thing you remember? We were on a mission. I may not tell you of it unless you know certain cold words. If you could describe the positions of the stars in your sector, we would know how much time has passed since then. Without certain cold words, I may not describe our location. One of the settings on this weapon was a total conversion beam. We saw it. Tell us how to find it. Twist my widdershins until you reach the null position. Then... They've got it. There must be something we can do. Most peculiar. Doesn't look the same. That was not the total conversion beam setting. Like others, this form seems to possess no gun sight. It may be a broad beam weapon for use only from orbit. We saw its power. I suggest you fire at a very distant target. Very well. We can't let them have that weapon. They are not about to get it, Lieutenant. Why not? Assume you are a slaver war computer. You've been turned off. You do not know for how long. But when you were turned off, there was a war on. Now you are awakened by aliens you never saw before. They do not know any of the military passwords. They ask you so many questions, it is obvious they know little about you. Your owner is nowhere about. What would you think? I'd think I'd been captured by the enemy. Or an enemy at least. And when they ask you how to find your most powerful weapon setting, what would you give them? Life support belts. A disruptor field. Yes. Another conventional weapon. It appears the total conversion beam was the only thing the slavers had that we do not. No sign of the weapon, of course. It would have looked nice in some museum. It never would have reached the museum, Lieutenant. There was too much power in that one setting. If not the Kazinti, the Klingons or some other species would have tried to possess it. Yep. Oh, yeah. 
strange how the past sometimes breaks through into the present. That ancient war could have sparked the new war between man and Kazinti. Didn't you say the Kazinti have legends of weapons haunted by their dead owners? Yes. An ancient superstition. <laughs> At this rate, they'll never get over those old superstitions. begin that with season one episode 14 the slaver weapon what did you think about that one i liked it okay on a scale of one to ten where do you put this one i put this one at a nine okay i'm gonna have to put this one at a 8.5 because it was good but it could have been better but they had a weapon we've never seen this weapon before Again, true. So, Vicky, who do you think this episode hinged on? Well, the Cassidy, Spock, Uhura, and Sulu. I'm also going to give to an extra one, the slaver weapon itself. Okay. Because being a computer, at the end there, it did know what the hell was going on, basically. Right. And it's on mine. So, that being said, did you notice anything? No. You should have. I did not notice. When the Kazinti were first trying out the weapon, they went to the laser function. Or they went to, um, the first function that looked like the laser weapon. The second function looked like the telescope. The third one, when they switched it, it was in the telescope look. But then when they pointed it at Sulu, it was the phaser. Right. So a little bit of drawing issues, you know, but that's okay. It happens. Right. So anything else? No. Okay. Well, I guess that'll wrap us up for this run. I'm William. And I'm Vicki. And we'll catch you historians in the next missions. Bye.